Well, my name is Daniel Budd. I'm one of the pastors here. And this morning we continue what Pastor Ron started last week. He began a sermon series in the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to Ephesians. And if you remember well, he said that we need to find our place. And that was our topic, finding our place. And of course, our place, he said last week, is in none other than in Christ Jesus. We need to find our place in Christ Jesus. In a world that is confused about where we are supposed to be, or who is indeed our maker, our savior, we go to Christ and we find in Christ our place. And this morning I just want to say because you are here, because you are here, it's, it's, the, it's a statistic. Basically people say only about 17.4% of Americans are in any given Sunday in the church. So if you are here, if you have found your place among those 17.4%, almost 82% of Americans are not in church today, this morning. That's hard to believe, isn't it? But, you know, we celebrate Father's Day today, and uh, we just want to say Happy Father's Day to each and every one. We give you thanks that you have decided on this Father's Day to worship here. And also, I just want to throw another statistics about fathers, right? There has been a change in the American cultural life and in the family life. In, 1960s, in the 1960s, they said that one in every 20 children who were born were supposed and were going to, uh, they, they will be uh, growing without a father at home. By the 1990s, the percentage was one in four children that were born would be living and growing without a father. That's a huge change, a huge, uh, uh, that's, that's a tsunami of change. But the thing is, what's interesting, in, and especially about the American culture, is that it is a culture that loves adoptions. It loves adoptions. And that's what I would like us to, to, to talk about this morning. Finding our place. Finding our place. And maybe if you want to say, what's the purpose of this morning? I will say, just make sure that by the end, we will be finding your place at the Lord's table as the Father's adopted children. There's no more honorable place to be. There's no, more, there's no higher honor than to be God's adopted children at his table. You see, American culture, like I said, loves adoptions. And the statistics is that about a quarter of all American adults are seriously thinking about adopting. Now, the reality that is only, if, if it's right, my statistics, only about 2% are adopting. But even that 2% is more than 50% of all international adoptions. So only 2% of American families are adopting, but, only, but that's over 50% of all adoption. Therefore, the American families that are adoptive families are usually multicultural families because they go over, they go outside the American culture. The truth is that adoption is not a subject talked at length in the Old Testament. And yet you will see that we find some instances. 
But this morning, I wanted to just invite you to read five verses from the gospel, from the letter of Paul to Ephesians. And it goes like this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 8. Praise be to the God and Father of our Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be homely, holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in Christ, in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Well, that's a mouthful. And if you read the whole text from 3 to 14, it's a lot of stuff there. Well, one helpful outline for me was this one. If you think of 3 to 14, Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, think of these three things. We are blessed. We have many blessings. And the truth is that we have blessings from God the Father, blessings from God the Son, and blessings from God the Holy Spirit. And of course, this morning, we are going to focus our attention on the blessing from God the Father who has adopted us. The Father has adopted us. And adoption is linked to all the others. Because we are adopted sons, we are also heirs. We have an inheritance. We have the Holy Spirit. We receive forgiveness, redemption, and we also receive the knowledge of God. You see, adoption in the Old Testament, like I said, is not in many places, but it's very successful. If you think about three adoptions, Moses was adopted as the son of the princess of Egypt. She adopted him. Then, if you think of Samuel, the prophet, the high priest Eli kind of adopted and raised him in the tabernacle. And if you think of Queen Esther in the Old Testament, she was raised and adopted by her uncle Mordecai. And they turned out very faithful people, used by God in many ways. But this morning, I just want to say to you that there is another story. In the beginning, it might not be... Um, Kind of, it doesn't seem that it's about adoption, but Tim Keller, who inspired me a lot in this sermon, and uh, he even wrote a book, he called the book The Prodigal God. So I just want you to point you a little bit, just to give you an image of the prodigal son. It is a parable of Jesus Christ. And the, the, the parable goes like this. It says that there was a father who had two sons. And one day the younger son said, I want my inheritance. He took all that he that he had from his father and went in a faraway country. He squandered all the wealth that he had on prostitutes, on parties. And then he came back and he said, what if I can be just a slave, just a servant in my father's house? And the father received him and gave a big party. And as he was giving the big party, the older brother comes home and he says, father, how can you do this? He is a womanizer. He is addicted to pleasures. He only loves parties. How can you deceive him? You know, the ring that you put in his finger, the robe, the fattened calf that you, that you sacrifice to put out this party, all of these decorations, 
all of the table, everything else comes from my wealth. Because everything that you have now, my father, belongs to me. How can you sacrifice again my wealth for him? Well, that's true. That's in the story. That's the attitude of the older brother. But I just want you to remember that we have an older brother that is a big part in our adoption. You see, I want you to just take a text. You know, there is this text in Ephesians and a lot of uh, adoption talk in Galatians and Romans. Galatians 4 and Romans 8. Well, let me just pick up a verse in Galatians that will clarify this. In Galatians, Paul says this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son in our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are God's child, God has made you an heir. There are two things that we learn from this thing. But there is a heavenly father that wants us to be adopted. And that to be adopted, he had to send his son who came to us so that we might receive adoption to sonship. He is the older brother who comes. And when we come to God as the prodigal sons and daughters, he says, you know what? Please come to the party. Invite your friends. In fact, know that everything you do from now on is on my expense. I know you are broke. I know you are dead. I know you are lost. I know you have nothing to offer. But I have everything to offer. And in fact, I don't want you only to have a party with your friends. I want the whole world to know that I am your bigger brother who loves you so much that I was willing to be even torn into pieces. For you. I died for you. And now I want you to, to have everything. Everything that you didn't have. You see, adoption. It is an unnatural act. If you think about it. It's not natural for somebody to take somebody else out of your family. And to say, I want this person to be my child, my heir. To sit at my table. If you think of a governor or a king. It is one thing for the governor to forgive a criminal. And say, you can go free. It is another thing for the governor to say, well, I can give you a job. You can work here in my kingdom. But it is a big, big difference for the governor to say, I want you at my table tonight. I'm going to adopt you. You from now on are going to inherit all that I have. You are going to be my son. And you don't need to worry about your life because everything that I have is yours. I will pay all your debt. You don't need to go to prison anymore. Everything is gone. You have a new name, a new family. Now that's what God does for us. And Paul talks in Galatians about two attitudes. And I struggle with this. And I think we all struggle. The attitude of a slave or the attitude of a son. And often, I think, it's a battle in us. What sort of attitude is deep down in our heart. When we look at God, when we look at us and the world around us, do we see ourselves as slaves or as sons? 
So I want this morning to answer this question. How do we know? How do we know that we are adopted? How do we know that we also received the adoption to sonship? And I think there are five things that we can learn from, from Paul. First, I think, it's we live liberated from fear. There is no more fear. You see, if you look at a big house that has uh, like a big mansion, like maybe the downtown Abbey, just think of those things, you know. It's a big house that has servants, slaves, and also sons working there. You look at everybody, and it's hard to say who is who because everybody has a job. Everybody is doing some chores, right? And the same thing for us this morning. We are here in God's house. By our baptism, we are all God's covenant children. But we are not yet His adopted ones, right? We we need to make one more step to be God's adopted children. And uh, you can either live like a slave. You see, if you are a slave and you will live with a slave mentality, there are some things that you will do. You will be emotionally unstable. And you will be very critical, very judgmental. You will be gossipy. And you will not be able to take any criticism. In fact, you will not be able to repent. Your life and your emotions go up and down based on your performance. If you perform well, you think, well, my owner, my master is going to give me more. You have to be critical because you have to feel morally superior to the others. Just to feel good about yourself. You find fault in everybody. You are judgmental. And you gossip because you need to feel always better than the others. Always superior. And it's very hard to admit failure. Because if you repent, if you take criticism, it means that you failed. It means that you haven't accomplished what you were supposed to do. But on the other hand, you know, if you are not in the slave mentality, if you are a son in the house, the son is emotionally stable. The son knows. The son knows my father loves me. I am a son in this house. I am an heir. I am part of the family. The son has an affirming spirit. He is a good listener. He doesn't need to criticize others. He just listens to their pain. He does not gossip because he is secure in his identity. And he is easy to talk to and repents with ease, with joy. Because repentance for a son is like this. Let's say David, my son, uh, goes and plays in the neighborhood and he breaks a uh, a neighbor's window. He throws a stone in the wrong direction. The stone goes through and hits the dog inside. Now, if I know about it, I expect him to come home and tell me and say, you know, this is what happened. And if he comes home and he says nothing, there's going to be a break in our relationship. But David is still going to be my son. Naughty, naughty son, but still my son. You see, his legal status remains the same. But our relationship is broken. And that's what we can do here. You know, a son, a son comes to the father and says, Father, I am sorry this is what happened. And I am very sorry for what I did. Can you forgive me? And that's how the relationship is restored. You see, the question for me and you, what are you? Are you a son? 
How do you relate to your Father in heaven? How do I relate to God? Is it, is it, is it a relationship of based on my performance or based on the performance of my older brother, Jesus Christ, who did it all for us? So the first thing is we are liberated from fear. The second thing is that we have freedom to go to God in prayer. We have access. There is nothing that stands before, before us and the Father. You see, if you think of the Lord's Prayer, the Lord says, when you go to your Father in prayer, make sure that you call Him our Father. Our Father. If you have a Father and you call Him at 3 o'clock in the morning, and you say, Father, I am hungry or I am thirsty, can you give me a drink? You are not upset. You are not thinking that, that He is going to be upset. That you are going to just create something. But if you are a slave and you wake up the master, you think, well, I'm going to get into trouble, right? Uh, the thing is, Jesus says, call your father, our father. In the Old Testament, people didn't call God father. They were even scared to say his name. They didn't, they didn't, so Jesus says, no, 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 there's an intimacy in Christianity, in the Christian faith. There's an intimacy with God that Jesus created for us. There's access. No other religion does that. In Islam, in fact, in Islam, people say, don't do it. Don't call God Father. Don't call him Daddy, because if you do that, you offend him. He's rude, he's unpolite, he's not reverent. But are you calling, are you playing, praying like a child? I remember there was a missionary who had four kids. And the missionary adopted the fifth one. And uh, she was 10 years old. And he, you know, he wanted to be called father or daddy and mom, but she never called them. She always used their first name. Until one day, she went outside, played, fell, and cut her leg badly. And then she started to say, daddy, 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 daddy. He ran. Can you imagine a father hearing that name, daddy? You drop everything. When you say, daddy, help me. Just the name daddy just melts your heart as a father, as a mother. When you say, mom, mom. You drop everything and you leave. And that's what God wants us. To pray, to pray shamelessly, consistently, persistently, boldly, relentlessly, without ceasing. Just bang on His door. He's our Father. Are you praying for everything? Tim Keller said, play like fools. Because you never know what God wants to give you. And you never ask. In, in one place it says, you don't have because you never ask. But remember, you and I, we are legally adopted. We are legally adopted. But do we pray like that little girl? We say, Daddy, I need your help. I fell. I need you to pick me up. I need you to just put your hand over this leg where it's cutting and bandages. I need your help, Daddy. Is this you? Do you pray like a son? Or do you pray like a slave? Like a servant? And then thirdly, we live as wealthy heirs. We have an inheritance. How much is it mine, you might say? Look at this verse. It's an interesting thing. You know, in Romans chapter 8, again about adoption. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with the son, graciously give us all things? If you say, how wealthy are you? How much do you have? How much is your inheritance? God says, with Christ, on top of everything else, you own everything. You and me are the owners of everything that is. 
I know it's hard to live like that. We, we would rather live like slaves. But he calls us to live like sons, like heirs. One distinction between an, a natural adoption and God's adoption is that adoptive parents cannot give their DNA to their sons, to their kids. You see, you adopt somebody, but that's a different DNA. In God is different. When He adopts us, He actually gives us His DNA. He says, I want to do not only to be part of my family, but to be like me. To be like me. I will give you my Holy Spirit, and He will change who you are. I will give you a divine nature in you. And one day, we will be perfectly resembling the Father. That's what John, that's why we say glorious day. Oh, glorious day, we just sang a few moments ago. One day, we are going to be just like our brother, older brother. You know, infant kings have no idea how much glory awaits for them. They have no idea what's ahead. They cry like a baby. If somebody takes their rattle, they will just cry, who took my rattle? Where's my pacifier? I need that toy, you know. And we in life sometimes, we are like that. We own everything. We are the heirs. Our inheritance is everything. And yet we fight for little things, for the rattle. Samuel Rutherford has a story. He is one of the Puritans, and he said this. You feel like having a bad life? Do you feel like you have a bad day? Go ahead, keep a bill. And on the last day, give to your father that bill. With everything that you think he owes you. And he says, one instant of glory will outweigh all the debts you think you have been occurring. One instant of glory, oh glorious day. So do you live like a son wealthy? Because you are rich. You have everything. You own everything. And then we have strength in troubles. This is what God gives us. If you live like a child, you have strength in troubles. My son, a verse says in Hebrews, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as son. We have strength in troubles. You see, Hebrews tells us that God disciplines the one he loves. As a child, as a child we see punishment, suffering as a refining fire, as a way for God to say, you know, there are important things in life, and suffering clarifies that for you. Suffering humbles us. It disciplines us, shows us what's in my heart. Do you handle troubles like a slave or like a son? I remember that the key of our sonship, the key of our sonship is to say, Father, to get to that place where we, in the midst of trouble, we can say, Father, you don't need to explain to me everything that you do. I trust you anyway. I trust you anyway. I, I remember Sally Midema is one of our uh, beloved sisters, and I did have her approval. And she recently was diagnosed with cancer, stage 3. And Sally said, you can share this story. She said, I've never in my life felt that I am alone. I never felt abandoned by my father. And even now... I look back at my life and I had so many good things. God has blessed me. Why shouldn't I receive this also with thanksgiving and, and knowing that He's here with me, that He will never abandon me, that I am going in this journey with Him. Are you like that? Are you like that? And finally, we have the assurance of the Father's love. 
There is no more secure thing than to know that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brother. And that the Father is not ashamed to call us our, your children. The secret of our security is that God loves you no matter what. God loves you no matter what. And the thing is, I think it's very important to remember this. A human father like me or like anybody else, we will do anything in our power to make our child happy. But think of your heavenly father. Think of your heavenly father. The love of the father in heaven is far greater than any human father's love. And not only that, he has power to do anything so that you and me are happy. And that's what he does. He makes you and me happy. John says, behold, behold, make sure that you see the great love the father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are. You are called like you and like anybody else, like me. We are all called to know, to live in freedom, to pray with boldness, to know that we are rich, that we are power, that we have power in Christ, and that we are loved. And he says, come to the table. Come to the table and receive your sonship. Claim your place at the table. The Lord's one to hear. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that you have adopted us, that we are children of a God who is rich, a God who abounds in love, and a God who is not abandoning us. And we thank you this morning for the fact that we can join the church universal and thank Christ, our older brother, that he opened the way of adoption for us. And we are all queens by faith and kings by faith in Christ of a kingdom that is to come. So we look to that glorious day. Amen.